Welcome to B2B Weekly. Every Wednesday, Marty Sanchez and I, Nemanja Živković, will be your host in a weekly Q&A where we talk all B2B related things. From sales, demand generation, social media, personal branding, lead generation, we focus on real examples, on real case studies, and we share things we only share with our team. So you get to see the way we grow our companies, the way we do marketing for our clients, you get to see everything. And not only that, you get a chance to jump on the call with us, ask questions live and share your perspective on the topic. If you are an executive, marketeer or salesperson, this is for you. Welcome to the B2B Weekly. Yeah, let's let's go. Perfect. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of people waiting. Still five minutes for um, the opening. I was thinking, Nemanja, if you want to introduce Dunia this time, so that like she doesn't have to introduce herself and you, you no, give a bit of I, like, I like I like to let people introduce themselves. You, you like to let okay, really Dunia, you're on your own. I'll, I'll, I try to help you, but <laughs> I'll do the I'll do the. Some kind of introduction, like uh, uh, with Dunya, we've been uh, engaging and interacting with each other posts on uh, in uh, our Funky Marketing Facebook group and also on our personal profiles on LinkedIn. And uh, Dunya is someone who is doing a lot of also good things connected with with content and many other thing marketing related things. I love that. And uh, Actually, she was here, right, on the... On the on first the one, right? First I, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that Facebook group, Nemanja, is where good things are happening. You guys are killing yeah, on that group. Yeah, good, good conversations, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many people are in the, in the group right now, in the, in the Facebook funky marketing uh, group? A little over 3,000. 3, oh, wow. How long? I mean, not everyone are active, right. but yeah, from time to time. Yeah, yeah. How, how old is the group? Oh, old. It was first uh, uh, meant for something else, then we changed it. But as funky marketing is like two and a half years, I think. Got it. Oh, that's amazing. I discovered it last year and I was like, hey, people having real conversations about marketing. <laughs> that was really nice. So. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I try to, to, uh, to get the conversations going in English because people from Serbia like to speak in Serbian as well as people in Spain, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, people in Spain don't speak English at all, even if they wanted to. <laughs> they didn't know English. So. Yeah, so I have this, uh, this attitude that if uh, people want to be uh, successful here in marketing and business what the group is all about they need to be able to speak in English so that's that's one thing that uh, that gets the conversation to, to that way but anyway let's uh, Dunya please introduce yourself yeah well I'm gonna let a couple of people in right now and uh, Marty, have... can you just please enable screen sharing uh, because we have this insane thing now where you have to allow people to Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, one sec. Uh, uh, I pass you as host, which means that you're gonna have to like let people in as well, and let mm -hmm. me know if it allows you to share your screen 
or not. Uh, hopefully it does, but if. Yeah, I can share my screen. That's good. Okay, perfect. Okay. And then when, when you're gonna start getting like pop-ups of people coming in, just, uh -huh, uh -huh. just put yeah, shall we Shall we mute all the people? Uh -huh. And is there a way to mute everyone at once or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not 100 percent sure, but there's there's some ways to do it. Okay, great. Yeah, so I actually just an intro for the two of you. Um, I've created a kind of an outline of everything that comes into content strategy and execution, and it's really kind of high level. I'll share a, like a couple of lessons learned. Yep. So. Like if there's anything specific, it would be good for you to maybe come up with a question or two to ask later, because it's really difficult. Like I, I wanted to tell people what what it entails, right? <laughs> what needs to get done, and then um, you guys can kind of jump in, jump in and ask if there's anything that needs to be asked. Yeah, the, the floor is yours, and then we can do some Q and A at the end. But uh, take your time, uh, talk about whatever you think is important, and. Uh, you have all freedom to do whatever you want. Okay, okay. Hope it'll be useful and fun. <laughs> then I'm going to have to send Nemanja a review of, of how well you did. If you didn't do very well, I'm going to have to criticize you. <laughs> Anonymous review. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I used to, I organized a, a conference last year actually for women in IT and uh, yeah, and when you get anonymous feedback, like some of it is really mean because <laughs> there are no faces behind it, right. but some of it is really amazing. And I think it's good because you get kind of criticism that's useful, constructive criticism. That, that's so. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting when feedback, like I like feedback if you can see the other person, but yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely interesting to hear feedback without knowing who it is. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there were yeah. some mean people because when people don't have to be accountable for what they say, they, they yeah, just exactly. go off. But but some of it was really extremely useful. So it's better, you, like people. Uh, can you watch okay, the, so the gonna... movie or read the the book called The Circle? Yes, I watched the movie and I have the book. So. Yeah, I, mean, I don't like don't like the movie, but the book is uh, is good. It's actually scary, and one of the one of the things uh, that is uh, is happening there is that there are no more privacy. So I'm gonna start no... admitting people in just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let people in. Uh, there, there's no privacy and therefore there are no trolls, no spam comments, everything's public. Right. Uh, it's scary. I mean, this thing is good, but others are, aren't. So. But pe people don't even care that much because I, I the last week has been, obviously, in America has been very eventful. And like people say super mean stuff on Twitter and Instagram. And their face is there and their employer is there. And I'm like, you really don't care at all, right? Like, you're just going to say some racist stuff and hopefully nothing comes out of it. it... I mean, who knows? We are also living in small countries here uh, in closed environments and people don't even realize that they're racist or, or sure. I don't know, whatever. So yeah. let's let's go into business. Yeah, let's get, let's get, into, <laughs> let's get into business. Go ahead, Nemanja. 
take over. Yeah, uh, no, actually, Dunya needs to introduce herself finally. <laughs> yes, so hi, everyone. Um, my name is Dunya. It's really nice to be able to join Nemanja and Marty um, in this week's uh, podcast. Uh, so basically, what we're going to talk about today is B2B content strategy and execution. I have about 10 years of experience in content. Um, I started out as someone working in a content agency. Then I moved on to working for a tech startup where we actually managed to grow uh, traffic for um, a couple of thousand visits per month to over a hundred thousand visits per month. Just using the content organic approach and a little bit of kind of paid traffic, but the organic uh, traffic actually kind of um really really grew and contributed a lot to our marketing um also like currently i'm working for a danish software development consultancy and uh we have four of our own products so this company i'm actually doing everything from zero uh, we started from building a new website i was working on the ux design for the blog and just building up all the marketing channels and extremely fun um, so and in the meanwhile I've been consulting uh, some startups and leading different marketing initiatives so that's a little bit uh, about my background um, so today I would kind of like to share a little bit uh, about what it takes to build a content strategy and execute from zero from not having anything to basically one, to having something that's new, that's valuable and that's unique um, for, for the people that are um, actually um, reading it or viewing it, in, depending on the format. Uh, so let's just jump in. Um, I'll share my screen. Guys, feel free to ask any questions anytime. I mean, just drop in, drop the questions in the in the chat, and uh, Dunja and Marty will go over them at uh, at the end. Yeah, I'll keep the questions in mind, and then Dunja, when you're done presenting, I'll, I'll hit you with all the questions that people have. So feel free to drop them at any time, and we'll get to them for sure. First of all, um, can you see my screen? Yep. yep. So first of all, I would like to give credit where credit is due. Um, I came up with the idea for this presentation when I looked at this amazing mind map that's actually about marketing content management. And it's by Brittany Berger. And she's actually building a course on content marketing. Um, so this inspired me to just make sure to document my own process which has been really fun and now i will kind of walk you through um and it's it was really nice to see how similar some some of the parts of the approach are and kind of validate everything that i've been working on with various teams um, over the years um so there are basically six elements um when it comes to content strategy and ex execution um everything that i'll be sharing here is based on personal experience 
so there might be some things that um, maybe don't apply to your case. Um, but I can definitely guarantee that this is something that has that uh, built up a, a really effective content strategy. Um, so just to start with, um, you of course have to work on the strategy. And one of the mistakes that complete beginners make, for example, company founders or new marketers, is to jump straight into content creation. So they say, okay, we have a blog or we have a social media channel. Let's just start creating something for our audience. Uh, but the first thing that you need to do is actually work on the strategy. One of the main mistakes that a bit more experienced marketers make is actually um, underestimating the amount of work that it takes uh, to create effective B2B content. And this is why this outline is very helpful because everything that you see here, it actually took uh, my team <laughs> at my previous company and like it's gonna take my team at this company a couple of years to build out um, so that everything is kind of covered. So I would encourage you not to see this as a linear process. So, hey, let's do everything that's on the strategy list first. Um, one thing that you should aim for is to get from strategy to the creation phase in three months. So you should see what parts of this you can cover in the first three months and you'll have to skip some things and not go into detail. And then while you're creating content, this it will feed into the previous phases as well and then um, the the phases that come after creation. so just so you're aware don't try to do everything that's on this list um zero to one is actually a phrase that was covered in a book by peter Thiel, and the book is about creating something that is truly unique that provides unique value um he was talking more about products but when it comes to content marketing, you also have to start talking about something that is new to your audience in order to capture their interest. So how to make your content unique? You need to base it on the values and the goals shared by you and your customers. And that's why you need to kind of cover the strategy, go through different steps in order to understand, hey, what is, what is it? that we're trying to do here and then if it's truly yours and if it belongs to your customers then it's gonna be great. um obviously we're gonna start with business goals and kpis and this is an approach um that was uh developed at intel and later also implemented at google um this is the book that you want to read when you're starting out with marketing and with content marketing in general it will teach you how to measure uh, your progress, how to actually not just have an idea, vague idea of how you're doing, but actually have measurable outcomes. So first you will have business objectives. So for example, make a significant impact on the monthly recurring revenue growth. And this is a, <laughs> obviously a goal that most marketing teams have but this objective is very very vague so what you need to do is go from objectives that are hey this is what we, we're trying to do with our business generate leads um generate re revenue to key results which the book covers 
it into more detail, but you need to have a number. It needs to be measurable. So for example, you want to get 1000 buffers for all stars. This is an example from buffer and I'll share this presentation later. So you'll be able to uh, look at actual articles and sources of, of these images and examples. So get 1000 buffer trial stars by end of Q3. And for example, for tasks uh, that I was working on, of course, you would kind of measure customers revenue, leads, and also for content, there are various other metrics that we'll go into a bit later. So that's the first thing that the marketing team needs to talk about with company founders or the company founders that are working on their own marketing. After that, we're going into something that's less measurable, but crucial for making content unique. And that's the mission, vision, and values. And I'll just share a concrete example um, of this. I think it's kind of relatively easy to find ways to, to define it. And usually a business is founded with an idea of what you are trying to achieve. But this is like one of the applications of, uh, of your values. So this is the, um this is the careers page of my actual company that i'm working for currently and um every career page should say uh what the company values are that way you're going to attract the people the right people to work for your company and you're gonna attract the right customers who are gonna buy from your company and these values even though they're kind of vague and they're just sentences <laughs> they tie into everything you do with the content as well. Um, the first thing that I did <laughs> when I joined um, this new team, and the first thing that I do when I'm consulting startups as well, is to actually get to know the customers. And the first point of contact would be com company founders or the customer support and sales team. These are internal sources of information about your customers and they can be invaluable because they know uh, how <laughs> the company started getting their first customers if you're obviously not a completely new company um, or a new team. But they tend to sometimes focus on the product. So sometimes they're going to talk about the features of the product or the features of the service. And if you truly want to understand the value of the product you're building, you need to talk to customers. And I would recommend having at least three conversations with customers, or if it's your like a complete startup to, to leads that you feel are qualified that would actually buy your product. Um, and make sure that the personas are actionable. So what does that mean? A persona can be um, just demographics. So he's a CMO, he's 40 plus years old, he has a cat and three kids. Um, and this is not something that's very useful for content, it's not very useful for marketing either. It can, like, if you have his position within the company, company size, you can use it for advertising. But as soon as you get into writing copy for advertising and definitely writing content, you need to ask these people, what are your goals? Like, what, what are the goals that you're trying to achieve, to achieve uh, through your work? what are the challenges that you're facing and specifically the challenges that you're solving with our product or service um and then from that you can kind of understand and talk try to get them to talk you through how they purchase your product and then you can understand the purchase drivers and purchase barriers <laughs> which are things that tie into maybe kind of 
um, content that comes later in the buying process that is going to persuade them that, hey, not persuade them, but kind of if they're the right target audience, they're going to show them that your product or service is right for them. And all of this, like this middle part is what is actually going to help you build your content strategy, the topics that you're, you're going to talk about and in what way you're going to talk about them and how you're going to describe your service product. And then um, another important part of these three conversations or more preferably that you're going to have with customers is, hey, where do you spend time online? Where do you go to find out about our types of products or services? And that is something that's crucial because it's going to help you find out which uh, marketing channels you should just start with. So for example, like my current company, we're selling development services and we're also selling products for retail customers. And my target audience are retail executives mainly, but also executives of big companies that can afford our products and services. And they are 40 plus. They're executives, they don't have time, and they mainly spend time actually at physical events, not webinars. They spend time on LinkedIn, where they're following different uh, companies and thought leaders and posting job ads and whatever they, they need. Um, and they sometimes obviously like search things. But I know that my main um, channels are going to be event marketing and LinkedIn and obviously any type of content that we can create for LinkedIn. So creating personas is something that you should definitely not skip um, in this initial phase. And after you're done with creating personas, uh, you need to define the voice and tone. And in B2B marketing, a mistake that people often make is that they try to be very formal. Uh, so here you can see examples of how MailChimp approaches content and they say that they walk in their customer's shoes and they um, basically know uh, marketing technologies and minefield for them. They're kind of trying to empathize through the voice with their customers and we are there to share their experience as a compassionate, compassionate business, as a business partner. But on the other, other hand, when it comes to tone, they're trying to be informal. You need to write as you speak. If you're speaking, you need to write as if you're speaking to one person and not this huge imaginary audience of people. So you're sitting across the table, and this is very important when you're reading the content you wrote, because usually first you're kind of trying to write about the product and trying to say, say all the best things, but it should be like a conversation with be, between two old friends or business partners, even if it's in B2B marketing. Once you're, you've defined the voice and tone and you can look at MailChimp's style guide, which is really nice and short. <laughs> uh, you should go into competitive analysis. You first need to identify competitors. And for content, it's crucial to understand that um, you have your product or service competitors but you also have content competitors. So you, should, you could have a company that's doing something completely different that has different products, but they're creating similar content to you and you need to understand how to make your content better, unique, um, as some, something different from what they're already offering. So this is something that should be part of competitive analysis when it comes to content. You're gonna analyze their strengths and weaknesses 
and analyze their strategies and practice, for example, which channels are they using, but don't copy them. <laughs> don't like don't think that because someone is using their blog that that's the right channel. Talk to your customer there, the first point of content when it, contact when it comes to uh, coming up with strategies. And here you can see some examples. So you'll have some high level data about the companies, but and some information about the product. But also you're going to talk about what where their success comes from and maybe what their weaknesses are. And this is something that needs to inform uh, your uh, strategy when thinking about your product as well. So let's see. Let's go back. So this is when it comes to strategy. I left the presentation uh, accidentally. Um, and then the last thing is <laughs> Marty smiling. <laughs> so the last thing that you're gonna do in terms of strategy is defining your positioning and messaging. So now that you understand all of this, you can actually come up with what is your brand promise, what is is it that unique about your product or service? Um, you're gonna write a positioning statement, which is hopefully differentiating you from your competitors. You're gonna know who your target audience is. You're gonna have a primary message that you're gonna repeat many times over <laughs> because it takes, uh, according to research, at least seven points of contact before someone actually decides to buy from you. This differs by industry, obviously, but you need to, have a message that um, you're going to ensure that reaches people. And then you have different message pillars, which could be for different personas or people in different um, buying stages. And the, like, the last but not the least important part is the call to action. So the, your call to action could be sign up for a demo. It could be anything. It could be different things depending on your product. Um, and here you can see um, a bit of an example in terms of what it should uh, cover and it can be basically a one pager. And this is something that everyone in your company should know. This is something that you should write about on your basic website. And like even if you have a company where 70 out of um, <laughs> 75 people are actually just working on the product or the service, providing the services, they should understand this about your company because that, that will ensure that they're also on the same page as you. So this is the strategic part. Um, and now we can move on to something that's more closer to kind of planning how you're gonna execute on the strategy. And this phase is also something that people underestimate. People sometimes skip and then just go straight to, hey, let's create because we know what we want to do. Um, something that people understand that you need to do in terms of um, planning is that you need to plan out the topics. I'm gonna just write, um, tell you about kind of high level stuff when it comes to planning topics. There are a lot of things, like this is a science in and of itself, how to, find uh, what your customers are talking about, like going on social media, talking to them, understanding the questions that are in their minds. Um, 
but um, the first thing that you need to understand is that your customer goes through different phases. So first they need to become aware of uh, the fact that your product even exists. Then they're gonna consider whether your product is right for them and they're gonna make the decision. And this is highly simplified. So here are some examples. You could, uh, my company is selling um, self-checkout solution for retail. So you can explain why self-checkout is better than um, a cashier register. Um, also, you can kind of write a blog post about mobile self-checkout in retail, and this is really general, and it'll capture, capture a huge audience, and a lot of these people are just not gonna buy. They're just interested in reading about this stuff or hearing about this stuff. Then, in the consideration phase, you're actually starting to talk about your product. You should not necessarily talk about your product in the awareness phase, but in the consideration phase, you're gonna talk about, for example, why self-checkout is the future of shopping and mention your product. You're gonna write a white paper about the advantages and disadvantages of different types of self-checkout systems and mention your product. And here, um, this content, you're actually getting closer with your audience and you're getting them to trust you as an expert, as someone who can provide a quality service or a quality um, product. And in the decision stage, you're gonna um, basically provide them with a case study about how a customer has succeeded with your product, or you're gonna provide a demo to show them your product. So this uh, phase is obviously very important. You should just plan out some topics for different stages of the funnel. Don't try to plan out everything forever you need to test things out. So publish five articles, see if people are responding to them and come up with new topics based on that. Um, I'm not gonna go in depth about the other sections because like each of these sections is a fine thing of itself, but you need to define the channels I've already mentioned. It can be LinkedIn, it can be your blog, it can be um, a lot of different uh, spaces you can create a community like the one that Nemanja created uh, for funky marketing. Then um, you should create a calendar. Uh, for example, you can have a blog calendar and know that you're publishing content once a week. Once you have the topics, you put them in the calendar, and you make sure that you're there for your audience regularly. You also need a QA process because when you publish something, then if it's like relatively static content, if it's a post on social media or a blog post, then you need to go back, take a look if everything looks good, because you cannot believe what mistakes <laughs> can just find their way in. Um, there's also a huge tool set for content marketing. I will go into it. Um, I will just say that a project management tool is crucial and Trello and Airtable are perfect for just managing the different stages of the content and you'll see why, because there are a lot of things you need to think about. And building your team is, is definitely crucial. And sometimes you're gonna be a one-man team and that's fine. <laughs> but then success means that you either have a really talented team of people or you have a lot of time. So you can do it on your own, but you need a lot of time to achieve. Um, and here are some roles that are needed for content. You need graphic and web design. 
that's if you have a blog or social media, you need graphics for that. Um, then you might need development. This is for your website. Um, content creation, content editing, which is as important as creation sometimes. Analytics and operations to understand whether your content is working. Um, community and distribution, uh, which is basically making sure that your content is reaching people. Um, and in the end, you need to also define the KPIs for each person on your team, which is something that is going to drive these people. Um, it's just going to tell them if they're on the right path. And of course, you're going to have to hire those people and make sure to evaluate them regularly. And at, only after you've done part of these things, like you can do them really, really kind of in an agile mode, you can move on to content creation. And content creation also has different phases. This is part of a content creation checklist, which actually has 50 items <laughs> that we use to publish each piece of content. Um, so there's the research phase where you're defining the topic. Then you write the outline. Then you draft the post. Don't start drafting the post before you outline it. Because if you're thinking with someone on the, your team, it's better to get feedback on an outline than <laughs> on a draft. So after putting in hours of work, then you write or speak. Um, and then uh, you can edit the content. Um, editing and optimization come together. And optimization is extremely valuable because if you're going for search traffic, then you can actually get traffic every month from a single piece of content. So the first month, so if you're going for social media and viral content, you might get thousands of views in the first run, but it's gonna stop at some point. And if you get SEO traffic, so the company where I work, we reached 100,000 visits per month at some point. And then after that, you know that for years, you're gonna have over a million visitors every, every year without investing into new content and that's extremely valuable. Um, the next phase are publishing, which where you definitely need the checklist. This is where Trello comes in really, really nicely. And um, Brittany actually <laughs> covered repurposing. Repurposing is something that people don't do as much. If you've created a piece of content, you can come up with 30 different ways to distribute it. So please do think about um, this in addition to um, content creation. Just briefly about distribution. Um, some, uh, there's actually a saying that you should spend 80% of your time distributing content and 20, just 20% 20 of your time on creating content. And this is sounds insane, but it's really, really important to make sure that if you're written something, created something, that it actually reaches people. So distribution, the main channel that you should definitely have is a mailing list. Why? Because you own it. So if you're on social media, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on Facebook, these platforms can do something and you can they can just make sure that you cannot reach your audience at some point. Medium for example, introduce the paywall. It's increasingly difficult to reach people on Facebook. Uh, you have to actually pay for their attention even though they started following you and things like that. So invest in email 
primarily as a distribution channel. And it also has the best conversion rate, at least um, for all the B2B products that I, <laughs> I worked on because you're constantly talking to your audience through it. Social media, we have own channels. We have earned channels, which is, hey, someone started paying attention to us and started sharing our content. There are also the option, options of paying for attention on social media, and this is fine. I mean, sometimes we can just reach new people that way. You can do outreach, influencer outreach, or outreach to other people in your industry. You should take part in communities. You need to understand, like, this takes maybe a separate person to focus on. If you want to do distribution really well, um, then it's really nice to have someone on your team to focus on this. You can have partners and do um, cross promotion. And content syndication is something that I've worked also with a couple of um, startups with big investments. And this is a really nice way. So there are some third party media publications and you can actually pay to get your content published there. And this is a really good way to get your, your content to reach um, really, really nice audiences and big audiences in a short time. And if it's good, then you're going to get email subscribers and then you'll have your own audience. So if you want to build an audience quickly, um, you can do that. You can actually invest in paid content publication. And the last phase, which is definitely, well, I would say that it's even maybe the most important one. You need to understand what results you got uh, from what you worked on. And this is where analytics come in. Um, this is probably the, if you're hiring for content, this is the first person you're gonna hire is the person who's gonna create your content and create the strategy. The second person you hire, you should be an analytics person. And one thing to understand is that measuring the impact of content is really, really hard. So just trying to exactly track the outcome of every single piece of content is practically impossible. Why? Because your customer has a specific journey they're going through, and there are these kind of seven things that they're going to need to see that you've produced, at least seven pieces of content. And that's why it's really difficult to understand, hey, um, analytics can get really complex. So you should not look at just how a person found out about you, like the first point of contact, nor the page from which the visitor converted. But uh, there is something that can tell you if you're on the right track, and that's brand traffic to your website. So that's the best metric for content that can tell you, hey, you're doing well. Um, I'm kind of <laughs> a bit over time, so I'll just hurry up a bit. Um, you should have weekly and monthly reports, which can focus on traffic, link mentions, time on page. Time on page is extremely important because it's telling you that people are actually paying attention or kind of viewing links. Um, and click-through rates to other pages. You should have quarterly and yearly reports, which come down from like cover brand traffic, but they come down also to customers or revenue, understanding this and your audience size. And of course, you're gonna have campaign specific reports and Neman is sharing quite a lot of content that's showing you what a campaign funnel should look like and how it should be measured. And of course, you're gonna also have one-off reports, uh, which are used for optimization purposes. 
So for example, if you have a blog, um, you should look at high traffic pages. So you could have a page that's getting 5,000 visits per month and they have only a couple of conversions. So you can look at other pages with high conversions and do the same thing on pages that are consistently bringing you traffic. So once you're done with <laughs> evaluating and you should be doing this on a regular basis, you can go back into the strategic um, process and like focus on different areas all the time. So this is something that this whole process is something that takes years to build in order to produce um, really, really meaningful results and in order for you to actually understand what content is bringing leads. So for example, at my current company, we published just five blog posts and within these five blog posts, we did manage to have one that's already bringing thousands of visits and like has leads that are converting. That's one out of five. So <laughs> you need to count on the fact that not every piece of content is gonna work, nor should it. So make sure to always go through the whole kind of circle and understand what um, you're trying to do here. So that's kind of it in terms of the presentation. Thanks for being patient and thanks for your attention. So yes, uh, Marty. Do Thank you, you Dania. Any questions? Uh, I, I do have a few questions that I want to ask you uh, and we'll record them and put them in, on YouTube as well. Um, so go, I'm going to go start with the beginning questions from the early points of, of your presentation and then move forward. Uh, sure. how, how would you differentiate between voice and tone? Because right? we know they're two different things, but how would you explain somebody this is what voice means versus this is what tone means and, and the differences between them? Mm -hmm. Well, um, the voice would actually be um, what kind of a person are you trying to be? So, for example, for MailChimp, they're this person that <laughs> has actually been through things. We're experienced. We've been there. They're, they're telling you we've been there and we know um, how, how to do this. And then on the other hand, um, the tone is going to tell people it, it can be extremely formal so you can um, use long sentences and you can be very elaborate and that actually does work for specific audiences but you can also be like hey you can use hey and for some audiences of specific ages or of kind of at specific levels that's gonna be um unacceptable <laughs> right but then on the other hand, for example, when you're, um, I used to work at a marketing agency and there I would work with traditional businesses a lot more. So there you would be like, dear sir or madam, <laughs> basically. And then when I switched to tech, you would be like, um, hi, first name. <laughs> right. Um, it's, um, we hope your week went well. Here's a, like a roundup of everything that we published over the past month or so. And you can be very, you can even be humorous. So the tone is very much about that part. Makes sense. Uh, something else I want to ask you. Um, when you're creating SEO content, how do you balance writing for the search engine versus mm -hmm. writing for the reader? Mm 
right? Because I know when you're writing for the search engine, there's certain keywords that you have to hit and all that versus mm. when you're writing for the reader, it's more about uh, having a good co- consumer experience, right? They am enjoying mm. the, the post. So how do you balance this too so that the search engine works, but the reader actually enjoys consuming the content? Mm, mm. Well, the first thing that when it comes to SEO, the first principle that I always apply is that um, long content works because time on page is something that is actually some a measure that Google uses. This is based on data-driven research. I think from SEMrush, they shared it at some point because people used to think it's mostly links and things like that, but it's actually time on page. Google very much pays attention to that. Um, so the first thing that you need to understand is that long-form content is probably gonna um, perform better. And that's why, unfortunately, some recipe websites will tell you the story of their grandma, <laughs> you know, how their grandma used to cook something, you know, Makes sense. years ago. Um, and then on the other hand, um, you start with a draft, you start with an outline and you make sure that you cover all the topics. And when you're doing keyword research, you go to search results for the keyword phrases you're aiming for. And you look at what content is already um, ranking and what's missing from that content. What can I add to it? How can I build something that's more valuable than that? And when you have this skeleton, you actually don't have to put a lot of keywords in in order to rank. And you're probably not going to rank exactly for the keywords you're optimizing for. That's an illusion Mm -hmm. because you don't know what's going to happen. So basically what you should do is add your keywords to your subheadings, add them in to the first paragraph and the last paragraph of the article, add different keyword variations, but never do keyword stuffing, never try to like use exact match phrases because it's not needed. Google is looking at more refined <laughs> signals such as time on page and actual user experience. It used to be very different. You could use like, um, I don't know, um, Right, marketing agency put, yeah. <laughs> you know and it doesn't make sense like you you need an in right. <laughs> that way but it no, it's no longer works so it's much more refined. makes sense and i think that's why like also focusing on the customer experience and the reading experience is so important right because if, if time on page is important for the reader to stay on the page it has to be well written it has to be valuable mm. and it has to keep their attention throughout uh throughout the reading right so exactly from from i'm not a big seo expert but it, it does seem to me that the more that the reader enjoys it the more time they're going to spend which is going to help seo anyway uh, so so maybe focusing as well obviously f- fitting the technicalities of seo but also uh focusing on the reader is is necessary yes definitely and google also looks at the bounce rate right so if your first paragraph is not good they're going to go back to search results. And the fascinating thing, it was really scary when I started working for this company because it has only a couple of links. It doesn't have authority. The company is four years old. The website is not very old. And then we actually managed to get a right. piece of content that has thousands of visits. How? Because Google actually, in the first month, gives you a little bit of traffic. And then if they see that people are staying on your page and that people are not finding what they want, on other websites, 
then you're gonna succeed and for me that was very nice and very exciting <laughs> so uh, if your first paragraph is kind of pulling the reader in if the content is good enough that's, that's good enough for it so a follow-up on that um you talk about like one of the key metrics being like a lot of generating a lot of traffic uh, mm. but how do you balance traffic with conversions right like at what point do you decide this website or this post is giving us a lot of traffic but not converting so is it's a high traffic low conversion post a success mm -hmm. or do we rather have lower traffic high conversion yeah actually that's the first thing that people look at when they start working on content traffic i did include it um i didn't go in depth because right, right, right i didn't have the time Yes, that's the first thing that people are going to look at, but that's definitely not the main thing that you should look at. So time and page, I would say, is a very important metric. And also, there's a really nice analytics um, add-on, which allows you to go to your website. Uh, it's, I think, page analytics, and I think it's by Google uh, for Chrome. And you can actually see uh, how many links, uh, how many clicks each link got. And right. this is actually the first thing um, that I look at when I publish a piece of content. A week later, I go back to the page, that page and look at not necessarily the conversion rate in terms of, hey, we got a lead from this and the sales can talk to. But definitely, uh, these people are clicking on our menu. They're getting interested in the company. Uh, some pieces of content, are gonna, you're going to expect them to convert directly especially for example if we're covering self-checkout solutions and it's happened to us and people have actually uh, contacted us through the blog so right. i've included links to our pages that are covering the actual product and i'm looking at are people moving down the funnel Makes sense. so this is definitely an important metric yes you need to get traffic yes if you're good at SEO, usually you will get it you know yeah um and then you need to kind of focus on not only that, but also you're building probably your email audience. And then you need to look at, are these people engaging? Are they still with us? Have we lost them? So there are a yeah. lot of different metrics and it depends really um, on what you're trying to achieve. Um, but measure everything, measure everything that you're doing. So not just traffic, but every page. And this is why you need to understand the buyer's journey and how, how they progress. <laughs> I love that. I have two more questions before we wrap this up. Uh, the first one is very basic and I don't know if it's going to be a good question, but like what's the bare minimum of content that a company should be thinking of creating, right? I, I know it's tough to say a number, but mm. um, when you go to a business, when you're consulting for a company, mm. what do you say at the bare minimum you should be doing this? Mm. It really depends. Right. It depends on how many people you have on your team. So if it's company founders creating content, it can be really optimistic to aim for one piece of content per month. It also depends on the quality of the content you're building. If you're working, like if you're writing on LinkedIn, uh, if you're writing social media posts that are relatively short, that can bring you a lot of engagement and that can generate leads. Then you can post a couple of times per week, sometimes even daily, depending on your audience. Right. But if you're um, writing a blog, and if you're writing this really high quality, long form content, one blog post per week 
is usually more than enough. Um, I wouldn't publish more often than that, uh, except if you have a huge team. So I had a team of maybe 10 or 20 writers. Wow. We always had, <laughs> they were freelance right, writers. Right, right. They yeah, weren't yeah. just writers, you know. Um, they would occasionally contribute content and they were all actually experts uh, in their area work. And then um, I also had an editor who was working on editing that content. It was a relatively big uh, team. We later also hired uh, marketing analysts to be able to understand what's going on there. So even in, with the big team, we decided, hey, we want to do one really good piece of content each week. Because if you look at distribution, right. it takes days to just post it everywhere, to share it, to make sure that it's included in relevant publications. So preparing, cre creating, like we had external writers that we created yeah. this content, but then editing, preparing for publication, that would take quite often like two days to optimize everything um, mm -hmm. in total. And then you need several days to promote it. Otherwise you're not doing content well because right. you're not thinking about how can this reach our audience. I love that. And the, the last question, I, and you briefly touched on it, and I know uh, that there was a time limit, so you had to like be very high level. But I want to ask you if you could go a bit more in depth on how to use outreach for distribution, right? So um, do you have a list of like 100 influencers or 100 readers that they should read that article or they might be interested in sharing that article and then you send it to them how do you do the outreach for distribution mm -hmm. well uh, i must say that i haven't actually done a lot of outreach for distribution okay um in any business that i work with i focus very much on quality right so when i write that email i make sure that it's highly personalized and not just high first name i know that you're interested in uh thing from their about page you know um so this is something that everyone mentions but it's really hard to do you need to craft relationships so right. for example i was in nemanja's group and we just talked um and i didn't even have to reach out to him like we had a really interesting conversation in the comments in, mm -hmm. in the group and he reached out to me and said hey do you want to do this podcast? right so this is how relationships are crafted. Like we are both in the industry and we started noticing each other and you are building on relationships. Like I have not a huge following on Twitter. Like it's very, very few people, but I'm connected with some amazing, like Brittany, um, I'm going to have a call with her and some other American marketers tonight, mm -hmm. later tonight. Um, so that's how I'm kind of following for work. Right. Um, I, I'm following a lot of different people and, some people are following me as well. And then um, obviously in the industry, so the, our product was very technical. So our company founder was connecting quite a lot with other people and we were connecting with customers. Customer success team was amazing for this. So we have some customers, we wanted them to create customer cases and they would tell us, hey, this customer is interesting. And I worked on, I think seven or eight cases for that company and then two of them, one of them spoke at a conference about how they're using our product after we did the case with them. So okay. we started the relationship. We asked them, hey, how are you using our product? They were like, hey, this is really fun. We want to share this at a conference. 
and then another customer wrote a blog post and you can you need to utilize actual relationships that you have and not aim for like 100 interests right. that's not, never going to happen i mean it might happen if you're actually following this person and you deeply understand what's interesting to them and just write something that's interesting to them so for example at my previous company the company founder was amazing at creating content and he actually managed to reach a, the one of the base camp founders <laughs> reacted to one of his he wrote an article mm-hmm. that was his opinion about a topic that this person that was kind of someone uh, who influenced him a lot yep. cared about but you need to be smart about it and you shouldn't be like a weasel you shouldn't try to be smart about it (laughs) you should think about hey how can i kind of create something that's valuable for this person and obviously this is my approach there are a lot of people who shoot 100 emails and sometimes it happens that people will but we were also for example followed by industry newsletters which was amazing Uh, we had an amazing content editor who did a great job and every week we would get into one of the industry newsletters at some point why because we were um, part of the community conversations in places where they were hanging out so so craft relationships (laughs) i love that uh i don't have anything else i really appreciate you um sharing everything that you shared um and, and thank you so much for being here Thanks, Marty. It was really fun talking Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. Um, I hope it's useful. Yeah, this was, this was really, really good. I do a lot of content marketing. I, I got a few great takeaways, so I appreciate you personally. Um, it's good to connect finally, and I'll send the recording to you, and I, I appreciate you for being here. Thanks, Marty. Awesome. Have a nice uh, evening. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye.